This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You you, you, you are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. I think some of the men are a bit afraid of you. I'm used to it. When I found you, I thought you'd been dead for days. Well, you were stinking already, and you had bugs all over you, and bone was coming through right there. <laughs> I was going to give you a proper burial, and then you coughed. <laughs> Nearly shit myself. I reckoned you were going to die by the time I loaded you on the wagon, but you didn't. Now, I reckon you'd die a dozen more times over the next few days, but you didn't. What kept you going? There's a reason you're still here. There's a reason I'm a big fucker and I'm tough to kill. No reason. God's on, don't we, you yet? All right, welcome to the Clock Dodgers podcast. This is our special Game of Thrones episode, the recap episode. This is the recap for episode 7. Uh, which was uh, a broken man, the broken man. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Tony. Uh, how you doing today, man, after that episode? I'm doing good, man. Cagane Bowl 2016, get hyped. <laughs> you got tickets? You got tickets already, man? Oh, I'm telling you, man. It has the, I'm sticking in town, dude. I'm going to buy a bunch of scalpel. Yeah, <laughs> it hasn't even been announced yet. You already got the tickets. I mean, I guess, you know, you jumped, you jumped the gun on this I one. I hope you're right. <laughs> So we uh, we have you know we have a pretty good show today. Um, we have a special guest that's going to come on the line with us a little later. Um, have some fun with that conversation. But first, we'll do our you know our recap like we always do and kind of uh, jump right into the show. Um, this was a very um, well. First of all, I just want to address something first. I hate when people say episodes are slow. Um, even last week, you know, everyone said, oh, the episode was slow. The one disclaimer I want to say is, um, if you ever say an episode of Game of Thrones is slow, it's still, even the slowest episode is better than your favorite show if it ain't Game of Thrones, so fuck the haters on that shit. So even the slowest Game oh, of Thrones, even the, even the slowest Game of Thrones episode, you could put that shit on pause, and it's still better than The Walking Dead, and I love The Walking Dead, but I'm just saying, don't hate on the Game of Thrones episodes. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Like I said last week, I think we've just been spoiled by this season. Like, we're just holding it up. Such a high pedestal, you know what I mean? But you got to let it breathe, you know? You got to have got to have the moments where everything kind of settles in in order for it to have... It can't just be moment after moment after moment after moment. Nothing has weight. Exactly. So you got to you got to let it breathe a little bit. You got to set some shit up and then give you the payoff. Exactly. And so and so you and know we, this We need that game we need that Game of Thrones foreplay. Exactly. You know? you know no it's never good without the foreplay, man. A woman will tell you, you know? What I, mean? Exactly. I mean, it could be good, but it's much better to them without it. You know, with it. So mm-hmm. um so you know this episode opened up um with a a return 
to a familiar face for us. Um, me and you hinted towards it last week. That's what we were referring to when we said there was a spoiler character coming back, um, and that character is the Hound. Um, so, you know, obviously, like like you know, me and you discussed it. There was rumors, you know, circulating, especially after the name of the episode and stuff like that. That you know he would be returning. Um, some people, I did have some people tell me, you know, why would he return? He's not a big character. Um, what, what what do you say to people who say that? Like, you know, he's not an important character. Why would they bring him back? Well, we saw him for the first four seasons, and really, Sandor was always one of my favorite characters. You know, like, saying Sandor is not a main character is like saying Braun's not a main character. Like, Braun isn't a key player in everything, but he's fantastic on screen. So as soon as I saw Sandor, I was extremely excited. His his whole interplay with Arya, and even going back to him with Joffrey and, like, the interactions with Sansa and things like that, he was always a very interesting character to me. So not everybody's got to be, you know, Daenerys or Jon Snow or Tyrion to be an important character. Like, he still is a big part of the show, obviously, or they wouldn't have brought him back. And like uh, the Septon said, you know, I think the gods got a, got a plan for Sandor Clegane. Exactly. And, and and no shot at, you know, like I said, fans of other shows, but even the supporting characters on Game of Thrones are better than your star on your other show. But anyway, yep. um, uh, you know, I was happy to see him back. Like you said, similar to Braun, um, I love, I don't know if it's the rebel mentality that they have, you know, the badass, like they don't really care, you know, who you are type of stuff. But um, I was happy to see him back. I actually, um, you know, enjoyed the conversation, the dialogue you know, back and forth between him and Scepter uh, Ray, which was, you know, obviously he was short-lived on the show, but um, there was a lot of um, important stuff said there uh, between both of them. And, um, you know, me and you kind of discussed it before we came on, you know, on the podcast here, but um, you agree that some some of the things he said uh, were very important moving forward, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, it's kind of... It's it's a sad reality of Game of Thrones. Like, as soon as I saw this peaceful little tribe building a church and all that, I was like, oh, they're fucked. Like, yep. they're gonna die. That's just the way this world works. If you're a good person and you just kind of try to live your life and not hurt anybody, you can't survive in this world. And you see Sandor try to move to that, try to become a more peaceful man, maybe atone for some of his sins in the past, and everything just catches back up to him. You know, right, and that's just a that's a sad reality of the world they live in. Yeah, yeah, it it, it was interesting to see the show open up, you know, with the happy music and all this stuff going on, and then um, so I, I came away with a couple of questions though from this from this uh, particular you know scene. Um, number one being you know obviously you know like me and you had discussed last episode that you know and, and you just opened up the show basically saying it that you think he's gonna go fight his brother um do you feel like that's a guarantee or is that just a really good idea uh, i think it's both um i mean i think it's a great fan theory and i think i don't know that it's a guarantee because nothing where George R. R. Martin is a guarantee. I mean, for all we know, he could die the next episode. Like, that's just how this show operates, you know. But I do think with the trial by combat coming up so soon and Cersei being so cocky because she has the mountain, I just think it makes the most sense. Because who the hell are they going to choose? They're going to choose Lancel? You got to throw right. Lancel in there with the mountain? Right. Now? right. Like, I would get stomped. Like, any of them faith militant dudes would get stomped. Like, there's very few people in this world that stand a chance against the mountain, and the Hound is one of them. 
Right. So it seemed like, you know, the hound was trying to turn a new leaf. He was trying to kind of, you know, forget his past. And then, you know, the people that he's with get slaughtered while he's away, you know, chopping up, uh, you know, wood. And when he comes back, everybody's dead. Um, you know, Scepter Ray is hung. And we, we had seen earlier um, three men on horses who were supposedly the Brotherhood Without Banners. Um, I guess this is another uh, confusing part for me or something that kind of left me with questions. Um, I didn't take it early on when we've seen them in previous seasons that they were um, a violent group towards like random people like that. Is this this is not out of their nature, right? This isn't this isn't normally their their character, right? Yeah, I was totally confused by that. Like, when you see the Brotherhood Without Banners, and I think it was season three when uh, Hot Bai and Gendry uh, uh, and um, Arya all met him and interacted with him, they were kind of like the Robin Hood of Westeros. You know, they didn't follow a house. They were just kind of stealing from the rich, giving to the poor. They were supposed to protect the poor folk of the Riverlands, which is like a very war-torn part of this country. But... I don't think that they, if if those guys were with the Brotherhood without banners, like unless I see those three joking about killing the people with Beric Gondarian and Thor Sabir and all the main players of Brotherhood without banners, I'm thinking it's kind of a rogue act. You know, like you can be a very good leader in this world, but even like like if you take like the Starks, you know, they have a whole bunch of northern forces. I bet you and Rob was running through the Riverlands and fighting battles, there were probably some northern men that had his banners that kind of went off and did some shit that he might not necessarily agree with. You know what I mean? Right. So the Brotherhood Without Banners is getting big enough that they have, like, a decent amount of people. Then three guys could kind of go rogue and go against necessarily what they want. At least that's what I hope, because I like the Brotherhood Without Banners. Right. I don't want to hate them, you know? Yeah. But if they did give the order, I think the Hound's about to go fuck them up. Like, yeah definitely the takeaway i took from the end of that. that that's what i was gonna say you know does he go off now to try to you know to basically put an end to these guys you know that's why i guess that's where i was kind of confused you know does he how you know how does he end up fighting the mountain like where does that you know come from does he go looking for these guys if he does then i don't see the mountain situation you know playing i don't I don't exactly see how that all plays together but um you know like i said i'm happy he's back um i love you know his dialogue and all his scenes that he's in so you know it's only it's a, it can only be good for us um you know that he's back and you know like i said we'll see where it carries us but uh you know it all in all you know it was a great scene and and like i said i think you know going forward he's gonna be pretty important and for those who who doubt his importance you're gonna be uh surprised <laughs> Um, I mean, we know we know he's a big, strong fucker, and he's hard to kill. I yeah. Mean, see, in the beginning, when you've got four men carrying them logs, and he's carrying it by himself, so he's still got his strength. He might have a little bit of a limp, but he's still a cocaine. Yeah. So. And like he said, he's got hate. You know what I mean? Exactly. A whole lot of hate. So um, that that was that pretty much sums up the Hound situation. And and like I said, moving forward, we have a lot of questions, and we'll see how that plays out. Um, Let's jump over to an, uh, the guy you mentioned earlier, Braun. Um, we've seen him again now also. Uh, we hadn't seen him all season, um, so it was good to see him back. Um, he's with Jamie, and they're going over to uh, to try to take back the river run uh, from the Blackfish for the phrase because they you know, had it given to them in the deal, 
and now the Blackfish has taken it back. I personally, again, love the dialogue here. Um, you know, the way Jamie was, you know, talking shit to the phrase who, you know, his sons who were freaking idiots. And also um, with him and Braun, you know, talking about the how shitty the phrase we're doing, you know, at protecting that area and trying to hold it down. And, and especially him and the Blackfish. Um, I enjoy the hell out of that. Is it just me or does Blackfish come off as a freaking badass? Oh yeah, he's an old hard ass. Like that's uh, Blackfish is very well respected within kind of the realm of Westeros, both as like a military leader and as an old hard ass. Like even Bronn said, he's old. You got one hand. My money's on the old. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> he even knew like he could probably take you out if he wanted to. And I loved kind of the mind games that Blackfish was playing with him, where he was like, oh, "I wanted to get a measure of the man. I'm disappointed." You know, like, kind of playing in, and I think that might play into Jamie trying, because Jamie is having a conflicting battle with his, with himself, and it's kind of a conflicting battle that we have as viewers of, is Jamie a good person, is Jamie not a good person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so yeah, it's, I love that whole scene. And Braun, like, I I geeked out when Braun came back. Like, Braun's one of my favorite characters. He always was with Tyrion ever since the, the first season when he started running with Tyrion, you know, he was always a very good kind of comedic foil when he's, when uh, Jamie said, you know, Atlantis he's like, don't fucking say it. You yeah. know, like, I, just, I love those little <laughs> moments like that. I think Braun is kind of who I wish, like if I was in Westeros, who I would want to be like, I'd, I'd probably be a little more like, you know, Samuel Tarly. <laughs> probably a little more, you know, reading books and eating, eating pastries. But I would want to be Braun. Like, that's that's the guy. I'd want to be a cool sellsword that just, you know, fucked anything he wanted, drank anything he wanted, and could pretty much take most of the people in West Coast. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a cool character. And that's why I said, you know, seeing him and the Houndback really, um, you know, bring a lot of fun to the show because, like you said, they oh, yeah. have great exactly. one-liners and all that kind of, you know, rebel mentality and stuff. Um, something else that, you know, between Jamie and Blackfish that was said was, you know, he said something about, Jamie mentioned something about honor, and he's like, you know, the Kingslayer with honor? You know what I mean? Like, what what are you, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? And so I, I liked how the Blackfish, you know, stood his ground. Um, you know, he said, you know, are you going to wait us out? Because we got food for two years. You know what I mean? So um, he feels pretty good about, you know, his chances, it seems. And he said that. Yeah, and. Good. Blackfish probably knows, you know, that Jamie doesn't have two years. You know what I mean? I'm sure he's heard about Thorne. He's heard about all the forces that are kind of going against Jamie. So it's not just that you can't sit there and wait for us for two years. It's like, Kingslayer, you might not be alive for two years. Right. Don't try to act like I don't know what's going on here. You know what I mean? So I think that was kind of a double-sided. It wasn't just you're not going to sit here and wait for two years. It was You probably don't have two years to live. Right. You couldn't do it if you wanted to. Um, Also... You know, going into you know next week's episode, Brienne is supposed to be going there, um, which I think we've seen a little bit of her in the previews, and obviously, you know that's gonna be super interesting because her and Jamie have um, a, you know, a past experience with each other. Um, they're kind of fond of each other, but again, you know, find themselves. Yeah, I mean, Brienne's got his sword. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's and, got his Valerian sword that his dad made. Like. Yeah, and so they they kind of like liked each other, but you know they 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 find themselves as, as enemies again here. Basically, um, I'm I'm not sure you know how, how I guess this is gonna play out either. Um, obviously, you know Brienne is really there to get 
you know, the Blackfish to support Sansa and them in the attack on Winterfell, um, which obviously they, they can't go that, you know, from what we can tell right now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if Brienne gets kind of stuck there and, and fights with the Blackfish for, you know, against Jamie and them, if there's actually a battle there or, you know, what what's really going to happen here. But there's so much dialogue there that I, I can see, you know, there not being a war and, you know, it, it ending in a different way. Um, it, and any chance you think... Uh, Jamie turns on the phrase at all? Um, yeah, I could see that being kind of a long game. Um, I've actually got a prediction later for what happens kind of in King's Landing. So mm-hmm. um, I'll probably explain that a little more later on. Okay. But I do think like kind of in the long game of the season, if some of the things that I think is going to have play out in King's Landing happens, then maybe Jamie finds himself kind of at a loss and going up north and giving his support to you know basically to fight the white walkers take out the boltons and going that route might be a good route for jamie giving something to kind of cling on and to fight for which would be you know that would be uncomfortable in its own right because then you'd have the lannisters joining forces with the starks which is pretty much their sworn enemy you know they've been having a cold war basically for the last thousand years so yeah that would be a very interesting subplot. But yeah, it's definitely, there's a lot of forks in the road here. There's a lot of different ways this could go. And I think it's going to kind of shape how we feel about Jamie for the rest of the show. Absolutely. And, and kind of, you know, like you mentioned, we, we have a love hate relationship with Jamie. So we love him in certain situations and then we hate him again. And so, you know, hopefully it, it, you know, it ends up on the side where we end up rooting for him at the end of the day. But um, yeah, I I just want him to be good. Just be good, Jamie. <laughs> He's such a good character. Just be good. Just be good, man. Just be <laughs> good. Fuck away from your sister and just be a good guy. But I did love the uh, the the pimp hand with the the gold hand. Oh yeah, like old star of Westeros. You know, like shut up, bitch. Yeah. Bam. Yeah, them Frey man, them Frey kids are losers, man. Just a bunch of fronting oh, out they're there. They're out there yeah, fronting, they man. Like, they look like the swamp creatures of Westeros. Like <laughs> you can't, you can't take anybody seriously with that hat on. Come wow. on, man. Like take your hat off. If you're going to talk to somebody. And I feel like there was like a dumbass one and a less dumb one because the less dumb one was like, eh, maybe we shouldn't talk shit. And then the other one's like, I don't care. <laughs> exactly. Like, he's that buddy that you take out of the bar. That's getting a fight with what, eight dudes when there's only three of you. You know, like, <laughs> he's, that, he's that one dumbass that just can't stop running his mouth. You're like, Damn it. Yep. Not again, Greg. Yep. <laughs> well, hopefully we don't see much. Hopefully we don't see them much longer. Hopefully something happens where, you know, they get executed. But we'll oh, yeah. see. We'll see. Um, speaking of Jamie going north and, and helping that, you know, the fight, the good fight there. Um, we have John, Sansa, and, and Davos um, pretty much, you know, all over the place trying to recruit people. Um Again, this is kind of where we see the 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 Game of Thrones speed ramp up, and um, guys are yeah. you know yeah, all I got over the, the rocket boosters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're we're seeing that that happening. But um, nonetheless, um, some more. Again, man, this was an episode full of dialogue. Man, really good dialogue, um, really good conversations. You know, with characters here. Um, so one of my favorite parts was the um, the the ten year old. Uh, what was her name? Uh, 
Liana. Liana, yes. Um, I, I loved her attitude. I loved the way they made, you know, they portrayed her. Um, it, it was a very cool scene. Um, I, I liked how she took the shot at at Stansa. You know, are you a Bolton? Are you a, a Lannister? I, I, you know, I'm getting confused these oh, days. Yeah. Um, obviously, it, it almost seems like you know her and John are kind of um, in over their head on this, right? It seems like everywhere they go. They, you know, people don't want to side with them or people don't really believe in them. Um, do you think it's fair that these other families and houses aren't, you know, having a lot of faith in, in the Starks right now? Yeah, I 100% do. I really like, it's very difficult in shows to, to have two characters have very different viewpoints and not make one of them look stupid. And I think they had, did a really good job this whole episode with that. You know, they end up winning over the Mormon girl, but she has her doubts. And then when they go to House Glover, he's like, he tells them, like, we wept when your father died. You know, when Rob called us, we came running, ready to fight for him. And what did he do? You know, he shacked up with a foreign whore and he got everybody killed. You yeah. know, and that was, that is, you know, that's Rob's legacy is, as an idiot, you know, the Red Wedding was terrible and it shouldn't have gone down like that according to their customs. But what he did was stupid. He promised to marry one of the Frey girls and then took back on his promise, basically opening up the doors for the Red Wedding. So I don't think they're at all unjustified, you know? Like, he, he even said the Boltons helped us take back our castle, which is basically like, we don't like them, but... They're the ones in power right now. They're the ones that put us in power. And you guys are fighting a lost war. I'm not going to put my men to a lost, what I believe is a lost cause. And I totally respect that viewpoint. And I, I think they balance that very well of not making these guys look evil or like idiots. But, and everybody had a good case. You know what I mean? Like, right. obviously we know that Jon Snow and Santa Stark have, have the best case and that's, what I would prefer everybody to just jump to their side, but the people that didn't jump to the, their side also made a compelling argument as well. Yeah, it, it was definitely justified, you know, when they said no. Um, wh one of the questions I did have about, um, you know, the uh, the Bear Islands, and I think they gave 62 or 64, I forget exact, the exact number. Um, 62, man. 62. Yep. Did they give 62 because that's all they had or because they were just trying to you know, give something, but not everything. Do, do we, are we clear on that? I think that was, I think that was their full fighting force. Um, she even said like Bear Island is their, we're not a big house, but we're a proud house. And if you look back on, um, you know, Jorah's from House Mormont. Right. And the reason that Jorah got banished was he was married to a woman. She had very expensive tastes. He couldn't keep up with her taste. So he started selling slaves in order to keep up with her taste. Uh. So that shows that they're not really rich. That was one of the only problems that I had with this scene is that um, from what we know about House Mormont and from what I've like researched and stuff like that, they're not a rich house. I think their castle was a little too done up. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a little too nice. Like basically from how you get it described in the books and things like that is it's basically like a, a mud shack with some stone on it. Oh, wow. So I do think it was a little too like a little too... Uh, kingly almost you know so i do think but yeah i think that's all the men that they have but one thing i wonder is she said six uh every man from bear island fights like 10 mainlanders well every northerner they say fights like 10 southerners 
Right. So does that mean that she really gave him like 6,200 men basically? <laughs> like, I mean, if you do the math, it works out, you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, the math in uh, the Game of Thrones world. We'll see how that works. Um, uh, one thing we, uh, like I said, you know, the one thing I, I took away from it was that, you know, John and Sansa and Davos, um, they're not exactly, you know, uh, pulling five-star recruits out there. They could use a little help from guys like Harbaugh or Calipari or something. They're not really, um, they're not exactly getting believers out there, but um you know, like like we said, there's justifiable reasons, you know, why they're not doing that. Um, the the one thing I did find interesting, we did see Sansa, you know, writing a letter. Um, I we assume, if we have to assume, I'm assuming it's to Littlefinger, um, to to get um, him to support her, like he had asked in the beginning. Uh, yeah, that's that's the only thing justifiable there, right? That we could think of. Yeah, um, I, I think it's to Littlefinger. I'm buying into that theory. I did also. I, I can't remember what I read it, but I read a theory and I thought it was pretty interesting. I don't personally buy into it, but just for argument's sake, I want to throw it out there, that maybe she's writing like a rebuttal to the pink letter to Ramsey. Mm. You know, I, I I killed your concubine. You know, my brother's more of a lord than you'll ever be. You're still a bastard, blah, blah, blah. And trying to goad uh, Ramsey out of Winterfell. Because they they mentioned a lot when they were talking about how they're in, you know, a natural fortification and Stannis chose this area and things like that. So maybe she's trying to kind of play it both ways and get Ramsey to come to them as opposed to them trying to go to Winterfell because they have the defensive advantage whether that right now. Right. And he is cocky enough to, so to do just, that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's an idiot. He'd be pissed off enough. You know what I mean? That, something like that would he's petty enough that something like that would piss him off in order to give up his defensive advancement you see um when stannis was coming to attack before he went and burned his uh burned his his camp and his horses and all that he was trying to get bruce to go fight him and bruce was saying no we have defensive advantage and that was pissing ramsey off you know so he is he is childish enough that he would give up the advantage just to go prove a point. So, I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily buy into that theory. I think that she's calling on Littlefinger to uh, bring up the Knights of the Vale, you know what I mean, and kind of wondering how that's going to go because Littlefinger, he's always playing all sides, you know what I mean? He's, if he surveys the situation, it looks like John and Sansa are done for. He'll come through and clean them out and act like that's what he was doing the whole time. You know, like he... He married Sansa off to Ramsey, and then he went down to King's Landing and told Cersei that he would uh, deliver Sansa's head on a pike in order to become king of the uh, the warden of the North. You know, right? So he definitely plays all situations. So she's playing with fire for sure, and now, I think she's thinking that his his love for me will overcome that. But I'm not too sure. Yeah, as I was gonna say, you know, he could backstab her. He could um, have some ill intentions after they win the fight. But um, in any way, is you know, because it almost seemed like she was doing it again um, in like a, a secretive way. Um, is, is dealing with Littlefinger disrespectful to John or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I think it is. I don't, I don't know that it's just necessarily disrespectful to John because I don't think. I don't know that it's known throughout the whole world that Littlefinger is the one that turned on Ned in season one. Right. 
Like, I'm not sure if that's common knowledge. If that's common knowledge, then that's definitely why she's being secretive about it, because she doesn't want to admit that she's asking the man that betrayed her father for help. Right. But I think it's more that she believes this is right. She believes that she can control Littlefinger because of their past interactions, and she doesn't want John to stand in the way. Right. And, and John would immediately not trust Littlefinger. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Sansa's kind of showing her inexperience still. Like she I still I think she's made huge strides as a character and in her strength and in her conviction and things like that, but she's still showing that she's got a lot to learn. Right. And and, and also it may be part of the fact that, you know, John thinks he has enough, you know, to go fight and maybe you know, obviously she's not mm-hmm. totally, you know, um, on on the bandwagon, so maybe she's kind of doing it behind his back to not upset him and kind of um, just bring that support along because you know John says you know we're going with what we got you know so um, maybe exactly. without you know without disrespecting him completely because they're obviously not on the same page with some things um, and who knows how he would react if it, you know if she said she was going to do that so maybe it's just kind of that as well um, but. Uh, you know, regardless of how this turns out, obviously we're leading up to a, a huge war. Um, that won't be next episode. A lot of people are assuming that's episode nine, right? Yeah, yeah. Episode nine is titled uh, Battle of the Bastards. So I definitely think that's when we get the big fight. That'll sum it up right there. <laughs> that, yep. that title says it all. Um, and, that, and you know, kind of moving all the way across the, the map here. But um, we did see a little bit of uh, Yara and Theon. Um, they, they look like they've taken a break in a, I don't know if it's a brothel or what, but, uh, we see that Yara, Yara is clearly a lesbian. Uh, if anyone had any questions about uh, that. (laughs) I think the, uh, the showrunners were making up for the walk of atonement not happening. Yeah. Like, look, you might not see Marjorie naked, but we're going to give you a whole room full of naked women. Exactly. (laughs) That, That works. We'll take the trade. Yeah, we'll take we'll take quality over quantity this time around. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, this, this again, I just keep going back to this dialogue, man. Dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Um, Yara and, and Theon obviously have a an interesting conversation here. Um, you know, she explains to him that he's basically in, in you know, in, in the in the nicest way to say it, he's been acting like a bitch. And, um, you know, to move forward with their plans, he needs to either stop acting like a bitch kill himself whatever it is so you know she's forcing him to drink the ale and basically you know telling him you know harden up yeah do not go to the ironborn for counseling exactly not that is not where you want to go to deal with ptsd you need to go to old town go to a mace to do not fuck with the ironborn because they don't give a shit yeah, she was like, you know, off yourself. Yeah, you know I mean, like, if you ain't if you ain't gonna be able to do this, just let it go. Um, but you know, she did say, you know, kind of tough love. You know, what I mean, like, I would never let anything happen to you. I would oh, never 100% hurt you. Tough love. Yeah. So you know, it's one of those kind of situations. Obviously, you know, their goal is to get to Khaleesi. Um, you know, before the uncle does. Um, there's no reason why that wouldn't happen. You know, since he still has to build ships, unless we're gonna get some more time warp in here. Um, uh, what do you, what do you what, I'm just curious. Obviously, you know Khaleesi needs the ships. There's you know no reason why she'll turn that down because that's the whole goal is to get over. We actually heard her the episode before. You know, say how are we going to get a thousand ships? Um, what what is what becomes 
Yara and Theon's role if she does accept them and take up their offer for the ships? Like, where 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 do they fit into that after? I mean, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously Khaleesi is going for the throne or, or whatever the case is. But where where does Yara and Theon fit in at that point? Do they just you know just go along for the ride, or do they become important to her? You know, after the fact, like I don't. Where does that? What, you know, how does that? Well, how does I that unravel? The deal I think they'll probably try to strike with her is we'll give you the ships we have, we'll use our men to build ships, we'll basically become your naval fleet, and you give us the Iron Islands when you take the throne. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, you make us warden of the Iron Islands because she said we're going to take the Iron Islands back. So I think that's that's probably their end goal is that they'll be they'll be able to be, she'll be the queen of the Iron Islands. But as far as, like, where they fit into the structure of it. It is the, the Navy commanders, you know, like the Unsullied don't know how to sail. Right. You don't see much of that from them. The Dothraki had never been on a ship. You know what I mean? And these people are masters of the sea. So basically, I think they fit very well into kind of the military structure that she has in place. You know what I mean? If you think of like the, the Unsullied of the Marines, the Dothraki of the army, you got to have a Navy. Yeah, and that's when the Ironborn come in, and you got your Air Force, the Dragons. Yeah, yep, your Dragons <laughs> of the Air Force, exactly, <laughs> exactly. She got all the bases covered, man. Yeah, so, yeah. I think they fit in well. I think it's. I, I, I thought this is where they're going in the beginning. Like, I, and I'm glad that they went this route. Like, it's obviously it's the the easiest way for them to go. I wonder if uh, Yara is going to try to woo the Dragon Queen a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, she ain't. She ain't got a big cock like Giron does to offer up, but she might have something else to offer up, oh. you know? And dragons, dragons flip sex at the drop of a hat. Uh-oh. Daenerys is a dragon, you know what I mean? So maybe it might look kind of good to play for the other team. She might look be looking kind of getting tired of Dario, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll check this chick out. <laughs> yeah, he, I guess he, he, he didn't expect his threat to be a woman, you know? So that would be interesting. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, he's worried about Jorah, man. Like, this yeah. gonna come in and swoop up. Exactly. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, that should have been your bold prediction. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, obviously, you know, you had mentioned earlier on in, you know, uh, I think like the first or second podcast we did the recap that you weren't a fan of Yara and Theon's story at that point. Um, now you you said afterwards you like you know where it's going where it's heading um and and they're kind of tying it in now you know to the other characters um the, the same thing goes for Arya, uh, which i had said previously with the faceless men story and everything like um it, it, it was cool um i liked the backstory and stuff but i didn't understand you know where it's tied in with everybody else um it seems like you know we, we may be getting away from that um at the very least it's uh we're kind of in a you know, kind of left in a spot where we don't know the status of her exactly. Um, th- this this part of the show, um, of this episode, um, threw, a, threw a bunch of theories out from what I could tell um, on the internet and on other, you know, uh, sources. Um, basically, everybody's kind of throwing out all these, you know, crazy ideas that it was an Arya that got stabbed. It, you know, um, this is a further test for the faceless men. Um, all, all, all these different things. Um and I don't know if people are looking too deep into this because, you know, her part has, has been 
you know, kind of kind of like that so far, you know, kind of mysterious. But, um, you know, in my opinion, it is, you know, Arya um, who got stabbed and, um, you know, nothing has, you know, uh, nothing, nothing is more bigger than, you know, I think everyone's making it a bigger deal than it is. Um, what is your opinion on the whole situation? I'm actually on the other side of that. I don't think it was Arya. Oh, okay. So, so what it's do you good. think is happening I, I if did. you don't think it's Arya? I just got done rewatching the episode. Now, I don't know how she would give somebody her face. That would have to be explained. Right. But when you watch Arya, she's, like, casually strolling. She goes up to a random ship captain and books a ship, a ship throws him two things of money, takes him back. She's just strolling through the city. She lets an old woman come up to her. You know, she either it's not Arya or Arya was playing this very stupidly. You know what I mean? Like the last episode we see, she's paranoid. She's in the darkness. She's in a, you know, trying to hide out. And then this one, she's just kind of strolling out in the open and basically leaving herself to be able to be killed. Right. And so like I said, it's either not Arya or she just had a very stupid moment. I prefer to believe that it's not Arya, that it's some kind of trickery on her part, maybe something she learned. And as far as, like, the faceless men, I don't know that this is a test for Arya. I do think this might have been a test for the waif because he said, don't make her suffer. Right. She stabbed her four times in the stomach and twisted the knife at the end. You know what I mean? Right. So how, how the hell is she... Like, she could have slit her throat killed her instantly and been done with it but no she wanted her to suffer and that's going against orders just like Arya did so if nothing else if this was Arya and it plays out like that it might be a way for her to be able to kill the waif and bring her face back to uh Jock and Agar and show him that, and him kind of be okay with it you know what I mean him not instantly kill Arya when she walks through the door with the wave's face. Right. You know what I mean? But, right. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was Arya. I, I just think the whole way that scene planned out, it, it just didn't strike me as the Arya that we left that was in a cave. She didn't have needle, you know what I mean? Like, it just, a lot of things struck me wrong about that whole situation. Yeah, and, and, and see, I understand that. I understand how it was a weird, um, you know, it was weird the way it all played out. It was stupid if it was Arya. I guess I'm just confused at how could it not be her? You know what I mean? Like, um, who could it have been, you know, doing that role? And I, I don't know. I guess there's just so many questions if you say it's not her. You know what I mean? It, it opens up a lot of questions. And, of oh, course, yeah, 100%, I, I hope you're right. I think it's something that could be explained very quickly, you know? Like, right. all I got to do is they show that person coming back to where Arya is hiding out and Arya pulling some trickery with it, you know what I mean? Or pulling a face back or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we don't know... I think we saw a lot of the faceless men training, but there could still be shit that they that happened that we never actually saw. Right. You know what I mean? So and he did say daughters. So I think I think you could explain that in two scenes at the most if you wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I do think I think it's probably more likely that it's that it's her than it's not. But if it like I said, if it was Arya, I have a problem with the way that they did the scene. And I don't say that about this show a lot. But I just think that it it was a very stupid moment for the character in a very intense and high pressure situation. She basically crumbled, and that's not something I want to see 
play alpha Aureus. So I do think that was a mistake by the showrunners if they did it that way. Right. If it turns out to just be Aria and she just let her guard down. And and, and if for some reason, you know, um, she can get the faceless men off of her back, you know, moving forward, we don't have to worry about her being like hunted the whole show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, you exactly. know, so it would kind of free her up of that if that could be, you know, the way it works out. So, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. Like I said, I think that it's interesting how that part, you know, her storyline, uh, some people weren't connecting with it or weren't feeling how it connected with the, you know, the rest of the show. But now, you know, this got all kinds of theories flying. So um, it's definitely, they're definitely, you know, working it back in it and, and making it interesting. Um, you know, th- this episode, we had no Khaleesi at all, um, no Tyrion, no Bran, uh, no Melisandre. I- I'm assuming, I mean, is that all we're going to see next episode? Or are we going to still see these other people too? What do, you- what do you think next week? I think we'll still see um, Cersei and some things playing out in King's Landing, like just coming from the previews and stuff like that. Like, I think we might we might finally see the mountain mode through some faith militant, which is what I've been, I've been waiting all season to see that. But uh, I, I do think we're going to get a lot of Daenerys, and I think we're going to get a lot of Tyrion. Next yeah, ho- hopefully she gets back they, to Marine. It, it, it does seem like, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm. That's what I'm really hoping. I'm hoping she gets back to Marine. Kind of, we get to see that what, the Red Priests play out a little bit more because they kind of left that hanging, you know. Yeah. So I want to see all that play out, and that's usually how the show plays. You know, if you see none of somebody in one episode, then they're three quarters of the next. Yeah, know? exactly. All right. Well, I mean, that, that kind of um, sums up the recap of the, of the episode itself. We obviously have more stuff we want to do here. Um, we have, like I said, we have a guest that we're going to go ahead and bring on the line here in a second. Um, we still have our bold predictions and stuff coming up. And so we'll have the guest um, go, go, you know, go with us on all that. Um, so let's go ahead and bring him on the line. All right. So we have James on the line, a.k.a. on the FL app, the Omega Ginger. Uh, many of you are familiar with him. Uh, you know, we've mentioned James before. He's uh, sent us in questions and stuff. And so he's a diehard Game of Thrones fan like us. So we've thought, let's bring him on the show and let's have some fun with some conversation here. Um, we are going to play a game. Uh, we're going to go with good guy, bad guy. And so I'm going to kind of let James and Tony um, argue these characters out on who's good, who's bad. And let's just kind of have some fun with it. Um, so welcome to the show, James. How are you doing, man? Oh, great, great. Thanks for having me on. Love your show. Hopefully I have, have a pretty good time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's just jump straight into this. Uh, the first name I'm going to throw at you guys, and I guess we'll let James go first and then Tony follow up, and you guys can you know just keep it in that order. You can flip-flop, whatever you feel like doing. Um, so the, the first name I'm going to throw at you guys is the High Sparrow. Uh, James, good or bad? Um, I would say good. Most people probably dislike him, but I, I would say he's uh he's actually a really good guy. You know, he looks out for the 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 good of of everybody in the kingdom, not just a certain few. He you know helps with the needy. I mean, the dude hasn't worn shoes in like the last like thirty years. So I mean, <laughs> he does what he can to help out everywhere, and also kind of put the people who think they're untouchable you know, a.k.a. Cersei, and her place and show her that, you know, you do got to kind of repent for these this bad stuff that you're doing to everybody. All right. So he, so you say good. But yeah. So, Tony, um, besides the fact that the guy needs a pair of New Balances, is he good or bad? <laughs> I got I to gotta go with bad. He's a manipulative old bastard. 
like, I mean, I get like the populist standpoint, you know, that he he takes good, he takes tries to take care of the poor, things like that. I understand that standpoint, but you look at the way they manipulate the game. He's hungry for power, just like anybody in that place is. Just because he's doing it a different way doesn't necessarily make him good. He's using the poor only to his own advantage. And personally, I was creeped the fuck out when he was talking to Marjorie about having sex with Tom, and thought that was weird as shit. <laughs> but yeah, he's, I gotta go with that. Like, he's hes just as manipulative as Cersei or Lady Olenna or any of them. He might be more manipulative because he's better at the game than they are. Yep. So yeah, he's definitely bad. And I, I never trust religious zealots of any kind. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta go back. Interesting. Um, you know, as far as my standpoint, you guys know how I feel about him. I'm not, I'm not crazy about the guy. I think he's actually playing everybody, so I'm gonna go bad as well. But uh, I, I definitely see both of your points on that one. Um, the next guy I want to throw out there, you know, we've discussed it on the show before, me and Tony, plenty of times. We've actually discussed it earlier. Um, is Jamie? So we flip flop back and forth. We like him. We hate him. Um, ultimately, uh, James, is do you think he's a good guy or a bad guy? All right, well, Jamie, I mean, Jamie's one of my favorite characters in, in both the book series and the show. I'm going to have to say a hero. I mean, he has done some stuff, but I mean, a lot of other characters in the show and the books have done some pretty messed up things. But, I mean, let, let's get it straight. One thing, loves his sister. I mean, you can't get any more love out of a brother and <laughs> sister than this, these two. Uh he actually put himself on the line by freeing his brother who happened to murder his father. I mean, he's, he's done tons of stuff. I mean, he's helped out Brian of Tars. I mean, he, he, he does have a good heart. He's done some bad things, but who hasn't? All right, Tony. I mean, the guy loves his sister. Like James said, I mean, he loves her a lot, man. <laughs> Can you tell me this guy's a bad guy? Family first, man. Look, I got to actually agree with you on this. I definitely, I think, Jamie's a good person when it comes down to it, which is so fucked up because he pushed Bran out of the window season one. Like, if you'd have told me I'd have been rooting for this guy in three years, I'd have told you you were retarded. But, yeah, I, I'm a Jamie fan. Like I said, I think whenever he's around Cersei, I like him less. And then the farther he gets away geographically from Cersei, it's like his meter fills up, and it's like, oh, I like Jamie again. He's cool as shit, you know, like, I want more Jamie and Blonde, less Jamie and Cersei. So as long as he's away from her, I I like Jamie a lot. I root for him. Like you said, he helped out Brianna Tarth. He uh he doesn't really know how to keep a vow. That's kind of one thing against him, you know, he didn't keep the vow with Catelyn, he didn't keep the vow of the Kingsguard, but he had good reasons for that. I think he's a very complex and nuanced character. But I, 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 I think ultimately he's a good guy. Sweet. So Jamie is clock dodger approved. Good guy. You guys give him the stamp of approval. Um, now the next one is interesting. Um, uh, I guess I'm just gonna throw it right out there. Um, the king, Tommen. Uh, you know he's been swayed back and forth by you know people you would say are good, people you would say are bad. Um, ultimately, um, you know he's he, he's a kid. He seems innocent. He he seems like he's trying to do what's right, but ultimately. You know, what What do you guys think? Good guy or bad guy? James, where are you going to go with this one? With Tommen, I mean, he's almost too young to decide whether he's good or bad or yet right now. I do think he's kind of coming into his own a little bit. 
he is easily persuaded by other people, but I do believe he is good at heart. He does have the best intentions for what he thinks the kingdom needs, whether that's good or bad down the road, yet to be seen. But I do think he does have a very good heart and really just wants to just to help everybody. I mean, he doesn't even listen to his mother, which could be quite a smart thing to do <laughs> when your mother's Cersei. But yeah, I do, I do think he, he is... Uh, a good character, good, good guy. All right, and Tony. So you know, James just said he he's not listening to his mother. Um, however, he is listening to the High Sparrow. What do you feel about him? Okay, I gotta I gotta go on the other side again. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's necessarily evil in his heart, but he's not good because he's too easily manipulated. You know, he's he's a product of incest. He's not a very clever kid, which is what happens when you have a kid with your sister but right i i think ignorance can still be evil you know what i mean like just because i mean if we have a president of the united states he's a dumbass that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a good that he's good you know like you can still be evil even if you have the best intentions just by pure stupidity and that seems to be the route that he's going i think ultimately he's bad for the kingdom i think he's bad for the people and I, I think that makes him bad, you know. It's, he's a, he's a cat lover. He's got that going for him, you know. <laughs> but he's just, he's too, he's too ignorant to his surroundings and too easily manipulated. And somebody with out, out of backbone that doesn't know what they're doing, I can't respect that. So yeah, I, I think he's bad ultimately. I don't, like I said, I don't think he's like evil in his heart, but but bad. I don't think he's good. Bad for the seven kingdoms because of his weakness, basically. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I can see what you're saying. All right. Cool. So you both kind of, kind of agreed with each other, sort of there. Um, the the next one I want to throw at you, and and this one obviously has had you know theories on the internet um, going both ways. So I wanted to kind of you know see where you guys went on this one, and that's Mother of Dragons, uh, Khaleesi, Daenerys, whatever you want to call her, uh, James, good or bad. Oh, gotta be good. Gotta be good. My beautiful lady's gotta be good. I mean, <laughs> she's. She's totally freed the unsullied. They're no longer slaves. They follow her willingly. She's totally freed all of the slaves of Marine. She actually took Cal Drogo, one of the most badass people on the planet, and made him a caring type of guy. I mean, which could have led to his downfall, but it's another story. But I, I do think she is going to uh definitely help the seven kingdoms more than hurt them all right and the three awesome dragons can't really go go wrong with that one no you can't so all right so he so james says good now he's saying good this is this is again this is khaleesi we've seen her kill all the cows you know set them on fire um we've seen her conquer and just you know tear stuff up um tony you also think she's good I think she's good. I think she's one of the main heroes of the story. But I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit. If you were sitting in the Riverlands and 100,000 Dothraki screamers were coming through your back door, you wouldn't think Khaleesi was too good. I think any kind of a dictatorship can be a bad thing, even a benevolent one. And and she's very much a dictator. She's, you do what I say, you listen to what I say, or I'm going to kill you. That is a dictator. Even if she believes she has the best intentions, 
she's still a dictator. So I don't necessarily think that she's 100% good, which nobody in this show really is. You know, everybody has their flaws. Everybody's kind of, uh, kind of in that shade of gray, and I think that she's no exception to the rule. So do I think she's a 100% hero? No, I do not. Like, But I, I think that ultimately she's going to be one of the main heroes for the show, but she's going to have to change some things about herself. And I'm wondering if maybe Tyrion's the route of doing that or somebody around her that kind of softens her up and makes her more mindful of the political game. But if she goes through with dragons and screaming, guns a-blazing, and just starts destroying everything, I don't know how we can argue that she's a good person. Yeah, so so I can see both sides, you know, like like James said, you know, she's definitely got um, the right intentions, you know, it seems like it doesn't seem like um, she's out to really harm people, but like Tony said, when you do get in her way, um, it, it's basically, you agree with me or you die, um, which in, in our time now, in current present day um, life, that doesn't fly, right? We, we, we look down on people like that. So, uh, man, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one, you know? Um, so I appreciate you playing devil's advocate there because um, you did bring, I don't know, you know. Our political system is kind of looking a little bit like Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that necessarily, in today's world, you know, I don't think that applies too much, you know? Yeah, that's true. You know, well, I guess so. Um, yeah, so like I said, there were a lot of theories about, you know, whether she's good or bad, and so um, we'll see how it plays out. Um, I have two more for you guys, um, two more probably interesting names that you'll probably be surprised that are on this list. Um, but the, the first one, which... How anybody can say good blows my mind. Um, I, I I have no clue where you guys are going to go with this, but I want to see if there's any inkling of good out there or that someone sees hope in this guy, and the name is Ramsey. James, if he's good to you, please explain how. If he's bad, we could be here all night listening why. Let me know. All right. Ramsey? He's a good guy. Oh, Misunderstood, what? but he's a good guy. All right. Let's put him out here right now. Total animal lover. His <laughs> dogs are taken care of better than almost any animal I've seen on the show. Dragons have been chained up. How many of the Stark's wolves are left around? Not many. <laughs> Loves his animals, feeds them well. He also... Avenge the Red Wedding by dropping his good old man, Roos, and taking out Walter Frey, who is one of the other main parties of the Red Wedding. He avenged the alleged murder of Bronn and Rickon, which uh, he did that by uh, chopping off good old Theon's manhood. <laughs> uh, took Santa into her old house. Loving guy. Nice guy. Wow. wow and yeah yeah those are my reasons i mean his, his dogs are well fed i mean i have to give you that they are <laughs> they are taken care of um this is the craziest spin i've ever heard um and i can tell you believe it Randy so peter approved yeah he's, he's peter approved is, is he clock dodgers approved tony please set us straight here hell no <laughs> that, no <laughs> what like, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, <laughs> look, Ramsey is the purest form of evil we've had since Joffrey. Like, he took Sansa home and raped her. Like, I, 
what he did to Theon, fine. Theon owned that shit. That was 100% owned. But he's a sadistic son of a bitch. Like, I can't... I, I just, I'm flabbergasted right now. I can't even can't even argue it. Like, that's one of the main people that I hope dies. Like, I just want to watch him get... Fl- he flays people, man. Like, how you going to defend somebody that... He's one step above a thin. Right? Like, it's, it's thin... It's Ramsey. It's White Walker's then Ramsey. Like, that's the order. He's one step above him. Like, Listen, he's Omega Ginger. Saying there's a chance. I can't agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> he's Omega Ginger approved. He's PETA approved. He is not Tony approved. But, you know, the animals love, lovers love the guy, man. We, we can't deny that. So that is probably the craziest answer I ever heard. heard. I don't know if that could be topped. But I do have one more name, um, and after that answer, it probably can be topped. <laughs> but uh, my my last name, I want to throw at you guys: good guy or bad guy, James John Snow. All right, John Snow, total bad guy. Oh, total bad guy. Dude breaks his vows, and I'm not talking about the one where he died. Yeah, he died, came back, he was released from his vow. I'm talking about Mr. Hanky Panky getting freaky with wildlife. <laughs> that's a that's a no no, especially for one so so good and moral. Uh, another thing, that man turned poor little Ollie evil, oh, made man. him fight the wildlings that ate his parents, and then flipped around and said, hey, let's be friends with him. That's going to mess a kid up. And then he hung the kid instead of actually <laughs> helping him. Man, this you really made He also could have guy. helped his brother. Yeah, he could have helped his brother, too, which would have been breaking a vow. He didn't. But he had no problem breaking another vow. I can't back the guy. Wow. So Jon Snow, the child killer, this deviant vow breaker. Tony, is Jon Snow a bad guy? Jon Snow is 100% a hero. But first of all, the women of Molestown would tell you that all of the Night's Watch breaks vows. Like, their entire economy is based off of the Night's Watchmen breaking bowels. So, I mean, come on now. Celibacy doesn't work. You look at, look at all the, the priests that molested kids. Like, they did it because they were celibate. Like, you can't, celibacy doesn't work. It's, yeah, a man can't think straight if he doesn't get one out. So, but what about, a, it was a, it was what a wild thing. Does that change anything? Not at all. Do you ever see Egret? <laughs> I'd have broke my mouth. <laughs> so would I. I'm not, I'm not saying that. You put, you put that woman in a hot spring with me, like, I'm I'm going to break my vow. Like, that's just being a man. He's like 19 in the show. You put a hot, naked redhead for the first time in front of him, he's going to break that vow. So, I, as a man, I 100% agree with that. 100% see that. What about killing the as kid? He killed Ollie. With... Ollie deserved to die. He stabbed him. Look. Little 10-year-old kid stabs me in the heart, and I come back from the dead, I'm going to kill that little shit, too. (laughs) That's that's the Game of Thrones world, man. That's life. As far as going with the wild means, he had to. There's a million zombies coming down after this. 
He needs everybody he can get. They got giants. <laughs> He's like, hey, they got giants. We need giants. Let's bring them down here. 100% agree with that. Jon Snow has the best heart. He's the closest thing that the Game of Thrones has to a pure hero. He's the prince that was promised, man. Come on now. He's 100% a hero. This segment may be the greatest segment ever in Clock Dodgers, Game of Thrones <laughs> recap episodes ever. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, if you bring the Omega Ginger on an episode, you got to expect great things to happen. But House Omega Ginger is represented right now. I don't know what to say. I don't know if any listeners are, listeners are even listening anymore because this guy called Jon Snow a bad guy and Ramsey a good guy. But that that was pretty epic. Uh, and Tony, much respect Just for even arguing it because I would have been Ramsey. speechless after it. <laughs> um, so so good guy, bad guy. Obviously, what you guys have proved here is that it's all about perspective. Uh, it's all about you know your own moral standards, how highly you feel about pets and children, and uh, you know your vows. So it's all uh, perspective, even in the world of Game of Thrones. Um, so I appreciate you guys for duking it out there. Um, the last thing I want to do before we end this episode, and uh, I want the Omega Ginger, James, a part of this as well. Um, we're going to do our bold predictions. We are going to switch it up a little bit. Typically, we do bold predictions for the next episode, uh, but things are getting tight now. You know, there's only a few episodes left. Technically, we have like three hours left of the show. So we're just going to do bold predictions um, by the end of what, what something that you think is a bold prediction by the end of this season. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the very last episode, but just a bold prediction, period, at some point um, in this season. Um, James, since you are our guest, would you like to start or would you prefer to defer right now? I can go first. All right, cool. Sign me. I feel like I got a strong one. <laughs> okay. All right, my, my bold prediction for the remainder of the season will be that Lady Stoneheart will make her appearance to the show. I know the writers have said otherwise many of times, but it wouldn't be the first time they've lied to us. And with the return of the Brotherhood, it's a perfect opportunity for her to slip her little slit throat body into the creepy. <laughs> but yeah. Now, of course, if you're not a book reader or you haven't read on theories and stuff, you probably don't know who she is. Um, just let's, let's just say a spoiler really fast. Um, spoiler alert, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, um, James, just, just for those who, who don't know and are still interested or, or whatnot, can you just explain who Lady Stoneheart is really fast? Lady Stoneheart is the wonderful resurrected corpse, I guess you could say, of Caitlin Stark, who is full of vengeance and fury and wants nothing but to get revenge. She's walking around with a slit throat, nasty-looking sick skin, kind of smells fishy, that kind of thing. Okay. All right. <laughs> Doesn't sound pleasing at all. Um, spoiler is over. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you guys can start listening again. We are back. All right. That's uh that's definitely bold. We'll we'll see how that pans out. Tony, that is very bold. What uh, what what do you got for us, man? Okay, my bold prediction is has to do with King's Landing. I think that so she I think the mountain loses a child by combat. I have said that for the past few weeks now, 
and now that we've seen the hound, I think she definitely loses because we see who the mountain's going to fight. I think that with a back against the wall, you know, you kind of remember the the speech Lady Olena gave her, which was awesome. She totally outfits Cersei, Cersei. But I think that she's going to have a back against the wall. She's going to be sentenced to death. I think she's going to set loot, set fire to King's Landing with the caches of wildfire that uh, the Mad King had throughout the entire city. I think that she's going to try to get Tommen out, but she's not going to be able to. I think that's what we saw in Bran's vision when he saw the wildfire going off. And I think the city, the season is going to end with King's Landing ablaze. I think Tommen's going to die. I think so. She's going to die. I think she's going to know it's a suicidal mission. I think basically all of the main players in King's Landing right now are going to die with the exception of uh, Marjorie. I think she's going to get out. But everybody else, I think, is about to get wiped out with wildfire. Interesting. So just to pin you two against each other one more time really quick, if you guys had to choose between each other's prediction or your own, which one would you say is more likely? Do you stick in with your own, each of you? Or do you think James is more likely Tony or Tony James is more likely? How do you guys feel? I would say mine. I don't. I don't think Lady Stoneheart's going to come because I don't think that she has a large role to play. Now I will say that the Brotherhood kind of popped in their head did give me a pause to that. I've been saying for probably two seasons now that I don't think Lady Stoneheart's going to be making an appearance just because they haven't they haven't prepared kind of the casual viewer for her coming back. You know, like we all are hardcore Game of Thrones fans. Most of the people listening to this podcast right now are hardcore Game of Thrones fans, but there's a whole, there's millions of people that watch this show that just watch it from week to week and kind of the emotional punch that it would be for Lady Stoneheart to make an appearance. I just don't, I don't see them doing that. I don't see them going down that route. And yeah, that's why I don't think she's going to come. That's fair. James, that's why I think it's so perfect. (laughs) Like they they love to give you that gut punch. I mean, yeah, how many people true. dropped to their knees during the red wedding, <laughs> the purple wedding? I mean, they just love to just make people go, "What the hell did I just see?" I mean, personally, I've been calling for Lady Stoneheart for a while because I do think they're going to give us that gut punch. I mean, I I I can see Tony's perspective totally happening. Like I could have. I totally just envisioned everything that he said in my head, but I am strongly for thinking that they will give us Lady Stoneheart just because of a certain cliffhanger that they leave you with at the end of the books. If you haven't read the books, I totally recommend them, but I won't give anything away, but there's a certain cliffhanger that they leave us with, which kind of sets up very well for the way things are starting to go over in uh, the Riverlands. Nice, nice. Yeah, right. I, could, I definitely, with them going back to the Riverlands, I definitely, it, it definitely did open the door to it. So I'm, I'm more open to the idea now than I was probably, you know, three, four weeks ago. I, I definitely think there's a better chance of it happening. 
Right. And, and those who read into, you know, all the theories and the possibilities, um, there were lots of little hints and clues, you know, that can kind of lead into that, too, you know, that kind of play, uh, you know, to that advantage of that. So, you know, we'll see. Um, my bold prediction, you guys kind of killed it because both of your predictions were fucking amazing. And mine was just boring. Like, I just think Cersei's going to die <laughs> by the end of the season. Um, I don't know how. Uh, you know, Tony kind of said, you know, set the city ablaze and all this kind of stuff. Um, I, I just think she's going to die. Um, I don't know why. I just think it kind of frees up Jamie, you know, from being, you know, this two-way player. Like we said, we love him. We hate him. Um, I think it frees him up. Um, I'm, I'm tired of her. Everyone's kind of shitting on her. She's kind of in a weak moment. Um, I could be totally wrong, but that's just I, – I, I do see her as one of the major – characters who are dead at the end of the season um so that's my bold prediction um again you know i do want to thank you guys for coming on obviously this is this is always fun um we're we're diehards like we say we every, every week as soon as the episode ends we're already counting you know the hours to the next you know the next episode um james since you know since this was your first time on um can you um tell people where to find you at twitter or you know obviously um we've connected through the fantasy life app kind of um throw your tag you know your tags out there and stuff just kind of you know let people know where they can kind of uh, talk game of thrones with you or whatnot yeah yeah i mean my twitter handle is at the omega underscore ginger on twitter uh on the fl app um most everybody knows me as uh, at the Omega Ginger. Uh, you can always find me in the Game of Thrones chat, which was started by uh, uh, at Nighthawk7734. Uh, great chat. I mean, free props for me. I think I prop everything that happens in that <laughs> chat room. Um, sometimes it gets kind of difficult, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all over all over the uh, the fantasy site. You'll I'm sure you'll see my me and my crazy beard and a and a Batman mask somewhere on there it usually pops up. Exactly. Or your creepy ass Ramsey picture you got right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or the creepy Ramsey picture that terrifies me even. <laughs> and, and, and I wanted to, if you don't care, I just wanted to ask James a question. Real good. Quick. Yeah. Since we have a since we have a book reader on the show, like I've most of the knowledge I have from the books is just from endless, you know, Song of Ice and Fire wiki. I I just don't have the time to read the books. I plan on someday, but two little babies just do not allow it um i wanted to ask you some of the revelations we've gotten this series has gone very much against what george r R. martin has said now do you think the show it's like um for instance uh the uh cold hands being benjamin things like that do you think it's an instance of George R. R. Martin lying to the fans ahead of time to not give away the secret. Do you think the showrunners are kind of consolidating characters and going against the books? Like, how do you see that playing out? And do you think George R. R. Martin is spiteful enough that even if he told them one thing, he might change it in the books coming ahead to just differentiate the books? I totally think he's spiteful enough. I have no doubt in my mind that angry old man is spiteful enough. I think that's one of his joys in life is torturing us. But <laughs> I do think you kind of have to look at the show as almost like at the beginning it was running a straight path and then kind of started towards the middle running two different parallel lines. Kind of like if you're a Walking Dead fan 
and you've read all the comics and seen the show, pretty much they they are two different entities at this point. So, I mean, I can totally see, like, the show is going kind of, kind of in two different directions, staying along about the main course, but slight things are happening. Like, I mean, Gendry, uh, he's, he's two different characters in the show all together at once. Whereas in the book, he's actually two different people. But I mean, yeah, I can totally see them doing that. And they, it probably is them consolidating characters because it's giving us cold hands, but at the same time, it's giving us a face that people recognize and also that people were hinting at that they thought cold hands was anyways in the book. So, I mean, I can I can see them that they're completely consolidating characters. And, I mean, it, it, with, with George R. R. Martins and, and the writers, you just you never know what you're going to get anymore. Yeah, and um, that's interesting. And also, you know, like like Tony said, you read the book. So I, I actually have a question too, really quick. Um, just with with you know the writers for the HBO and then um, you know uh, Martin writing the book. Do do you think at any point there's any like um, I don't want to say anger, but like do you think there's any like competition between them at all, or do you think it's like totally kosher? I think George R. R. Martin gave them uh, certain ideas to go with in the show, but I do think he wants his books to be different from the show, just because it, the books are going to be good either way, even if it follows perfectly to the show right. towards the end. But I think at the same time, it gives fans a whole other story which, like I mentioned with the Walking Dead thing, that's working really well for them. So, I mean, I would like to be able to kind of watch one story unfold and then read a different one at the same time because you might have one of your characters that maybe dies off in the show but survives in the books. Right. I mean, you just never know. And, and I do think there there might be a little bit of competition between them. I don't know if George R. R. Martin might have a contract with them that says, okay, you can only do what I allow you to do, but but I do think I do think they both want to strive to have the best content possible, and that's why it takes Mr. George R. R. Martin seven years to write a book. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, yeah. he talks about all that food, you know, so that, that <laughs> yeah. probably has something to do with it. Yeah, I think um, if I can just jump in real quick, I think George R. R. Martin, if you look at it from any kind of creator's perspective, it sucks to write a story and then have somebody else be able to tell the world how it ends. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, and, and that's why so I said, I, that's why I asked if there's any competition between them. Cause like, it's gotta be frustrating. I mean, I know he agreed to this and like, obviously he couldn't be happier because you know, people like me and, and you, you know, we didn't read the books. Um, and, and this may sound crazy, but like, I wasn't even aware of the books. So, the fact that, you know, this show has kind of opened that up to me, and obviously I'm not the only one. There's, you know, millions of us. So um, he's got to be proud of that fact, you know, but at the same time, like you said, it's got to be frustrating that now, you know, we're kind of ahead of his story. And, you know, at the end of the day, obviously I think more people will read his his book because of it, you know, his future books too. But it definitely, I, you know, I see that point. Which is interesting with the show. They're still actually doing things that are in... A Dance of Dragons that that 
and their their head in some parts aspects of the storyline that we've never seen in in any of the books yet. But in some yeah. certain aspects, it's still in the Dance of Dragons, and it it, it kind of gets the book readers like turning their head, like, okay, what's happening right now? Yeah, like Jamie in the Riverlands, right? Like, yes. He, he goes straight to the Riverlands mm-hmm. in the books. He doesn't do the Dawn and all those kind of subplots. Yep. Interesting, man. Very interesting. The whole battle between the book readers and the show people. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, again, um, like I said, this has been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you coming on. Everybody, you know, follow him on Twitter. Um, come to the Game of Thrones chat on the Fantasy Life app um, and, you know, argue with him about his good guy, bad guy, because some questionable stuff <laughs> in there. Unless you're PETA. It is very I'd questionable. I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> and, and also, really quick, um, when, when is your, your baby due? Oh, it is actually due January 6th. Me and my wife are very excited about it. We just had our first ultrasound, which I'll probably be posting a picture of that and uh, the Game of Thrones chat and a couple other chats that I'm involved in. But, but yeah, yeah, we were very excited about it. I got to hear the heartbeat. That was probably the coolest thing that I've ever experienced. Firstborn. Just uh, get some sleep now is what I would suggest because you're not going <laughs> to get much. Um, and yeah, there ain't nothing like it, man. There ain't nothing like having a kid. You get to play with nerf guns and shit. You get to watch cartoons awesome <laughs> well i do one of those already yeah <laughs> well either way man congrats you know like like he said you're gonna enjoy it and you know for your firstborn uh, you know house omega ginger is gonna be awesome um tony anything you want to well actually either both, both of you any, anything obviously tony tell him where to find you as always but anything that you guys want to say here before we go out besides tony where they find you No, I think we about covered it, man. I really appreciate you having you coming on, James. Like, it was really cool to get a book reader's perspective. You know, you had some twisted views on shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming on, man. And, uh, yeah, check me out at Mr. Meeseeks on the FL app. Check me out at Reimer A-S, R-E-I-M-E-R-A-S on the uh, Twitter. And I've been promising a geeky bugle for, like, two weeks now. Uh, life got hectic, so... But I do plan on this week dropping it. It's going to be my rankings of the MCU universe. I'm going to rank all the movies in order. So that should definitely create some some arguments. And you can find me on either of those mediums and argue my point, though. I, this is my definitive ranking, so I don't think they can be argued with. <laughs> Look forward to that. James, anything else that you, any any last message or anything else that you wanted to say to anybody before we go out of here? Um, pretty much just want to thank you guys for having me on. It was a blast. Any, anytime you want me on, I'm more than welcome, but yeah, it was a blast. Thanks for having me on. Um, yep. Just shout out to the uh, game of Thrones chat and that's it. All right, man. Well, again, we appreciate it. it. Was you know, like like Tony said, it was fun having you on. Uh, you know, it was an honor. We appreciate it. You know, having a book reader on, having your point of view. So, you know, thank you. It was fun. Um, and then, of course, everybody, thank you guys for listening. Um, you know, obviously, look for another episode as soon as uh, the next episode ends for us, episode eight. Um, but for this week, that's it. If you need more content, go back, listen to some old podcasts, wait for some new ones to come out. Always check us out, clockdodgers.com. There's always new stuff up on there. Also, uh, Twitter and Instagram, at clockdodgers. If you have any questions, topics, foul or no fouls, uh, guest suggestions, anything at all, 
Uh, you can always reach me at any of the Twitter or Instagrams or uh, cockdodgers at gmail.com. Again, my name is Neil. Thank you to Tony. Thank you to James. That's it, guys. It's over. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to stop by clockdodgers.com and follow us on Twitter.